Welcome to Everyday Elephants. I'm your host, Tanner Olson, and in a minute I'll be joined by Phil, Katie, and Ted. Everyday Elephants is a podcast that discusses what the world is discussing. We take a close look at the elephants in the room, everything from politics to trends to religion. Together, we look for where hope is in the midst of the change and the chaos and confusion. Welcome to Everyday Elephants. Two episodes in a row. Hey. Are we like are we like for real back for realsies? I'm not gonna say anything until we're like six or seven in. This okay. is not a rhythm yet. This is just yes. a really good idea that we haven't let go of yet. So I'm <laughs> I'm I'm still I'm a little hopeful though. I'm a little I'm a little hopeful. Yeah, we need friends. some consistency. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of consistency will take us a long way. But it's good. I mean, to be back for a second episode after a holiday where about 50% of this podcast is not feeling well, I think, hey, like, like we're, we're, we're back. We have some things to talk about. Uh, but before we jump into all those things, how was everybody's Thanksgiving? Man, you know how you talked about how there's things that you're supposed to not say at Thanksgiving? Of all the people, we knew that Phil was going to say something. It's we just knew. too easy, right? You know, you're playing, you're having a great Thanksgiving meal with the family. It's been a long time since we've seen each other giving hugs. And then all of a sudden it gets to the portion of the night, you know, we're eating food, having great drinks and everyone wants to play games. And we're playing like, oh, not one no. of those like charade games, but like, you know, where you say certain words and you have to guess the person and. So, like, of course, I'm, you know, like, on all sides of the pol political realm, I think one of the questions was, like, who's the person that everyone despises the most? And I said, Donald Trump. And then all the, the Democrats of the family were like, yeah, I love you. And then, you know, then it got to the point of, like, you know, who's going to win the next presidential election? And then I'd said Ron DeSantis. And I was like, yeah, you know, it was like all these different sides of people. And I was that guy, Tanner. I brought things up. And because it's fun. It's I'm fun. I'm not. That's not fun at all uh that makes <laughs> that makes me just kind of get sweaty and want to leave i was the person at thanksgiving saying like so the weather that doesn't feel <laughs> combative the peacemaker. Did, anybody, did anybody watch the sports game that we didn't care about that's not combative i did not bring up I, now we were not eating with family we ate with some great friends in nashville and their family so it was a little bit different so i didn't feel super comfortable like let's talk about politics and religion and all these cultural trends with my friend's parents um i was just <laughs> there to make jokes and uh eat sweet potato casserole <laughs> yes that's if what there's one thing i am really good at it is sitting and eating sweet potato casserole and yeah that's the title of my next book so um hmm. yeah <laughs> I'm the same way. I am not confrontational at all. So my Thanksgiving is usually me just being super passive <laughs> and just like sitting. Just Were you just smiling and nodding a lot? <laughs> yeah, smile and nod. And then when there's, you know, statements, even if I don't agree, I'm like, hmm. But if someone asks me, you know, like I will definitely give my opinion, but I am not like Phil. Like I'm not a, let me just go in and like stir the pot a little bit. Unless I'm around the right people. I don't know. I don't know. But Thanksgiving was All I know is I can't mess up getting pecan cream pie at the end. So there must be enough peace for pecan cream pie. And then you but can th start the debate. But then, but then when dessert comes out, <laughs> you start launching grenades. Yep, there it is. There. See, I, I, I think I'm on the other end of that. Like, I'm trying to put the pin back in their grenade because I'm like, you know what? Like, I would just, let's just have a good time and enjoy each other's company and not 
But Phil, I oh, think this I, is why I don't throw grenades. I'm. <laughs> That's Phil's job. But That's Phil's now job. it all makes sense to me. I realize why I'm never invited to y'all's Thanksgiving because you know that I'm going to come in like a wrecking ball, Miley Cyrus I'm glad style. you figured that out. We've been trying to hint at it for a very long time. Uh, so I'm glad that your your uh, critical thinking skills finally caught up to that process. I'm a little slow, but here I am. That's fine. And we're glad you're here because without you here, we would all just be, well, smiling and nodding and probably talking about sports. But speaking of sports. <laughs> speaking of sports, yeah, let's kind of get into this. So on this episode of Everyday Elephants, we'll be chatting about what's happening in China and we'll be talking about our friend Elon Musk. But to kick it off, see what I did there? We're talking about the World Cup. <laughs> the World Cup uh, is being played in Qatar, which has been plagued by human rights violations and the FIFA corruption. And on top of that, it's just a soccer tournament. I shouldn't say just a soccer tournament because I'm sure some people are listening and being like, it's the greatest sports moment every four years. To mm -hmm. which I would say, all right, Phil. Some get people started miss the, on the World, World Series. Cup. The what? Oh. <laughs> uh, World Series. I, are you talking about a baseball ding, team ding. that finally won their first World Series championship, the Houston Listen, Astros? Phil. Congrats, man. Phil, you, get, you did it. Get to. Get two with the Cubbies, and then we can we can talk. We've got three, but anyways, going back in to your soccer, lifetime, you got one. Anyways, dude, I didn't realize how big soccer is. Like in terms of, well, I mean, I knew it was big, but you know how like the NFL rules everything. Well, the ratings for the World Cup just it just killed the NFL ratings in terms of how many people are watching. So this mm -hmm. is a big event, and. Four weeks ago, I had no idea anything that was happening in Qatar until like ESPN released their documentary about all the corruption that was happening. And it was just like that moment where I was like, should I even be watching the World Cup? Um, mm. And it kind of made me really question um, mm. my, my motive and my love for sports and uh, even agreeing with what's happening. So there's a lot that's happened. I don't know if there's some things that stuck out for you guys. Yeah, well... There's, it just feels like every time there's some sort of massive world event, it always comes back to, oh, there's some sort of corruption on the back end. Like when we talk about the Olympics, and I'm sure you guys have seen those, like the, the websites where it's like, here's what this Olympic, uh, you know, location looked like 20 years ago, but here's what it looks like today. And it's like they built all these beautiful things to only be used for a little bit of time. And then we think more into that. It's like, but well, what went into creating those things? What decisions mm -hmm. were made? And then who were the people who were, in some cases, forced to make this happen? How much money went into it? Which I think there was about, what, $2 billion that went into this World Cup. To And, and forgive me, soccer fans or football fans, like, I like, this is my first time, like, really watching uh, the World Cup. And I'm getting really into it. Um, <laughs> but we're putting... Not we. A lot of people are putting a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of hurt into something that is just a game. Mm. And am I missing something? Am I wrong about that? It's just a game, but there's so much cultural tensions that are happening within the game, too. It's also proving one's dominance of a certain country over another, over like the, the greatest sport that's recognized over the world. And so... Mm -hmm. It's the game of all games, 
and there's so much that goes into this sport. I mean, U.S. and Iran, they're facing off tomorrow, and it's more than just U.S. and Iran facing off tomorrow. There's already mm-hmm. so much that's going mm-hmm. on between the two countries that it's it's moving beyond just a game. And yeah, you have to yeah, talk back about and that. Reflect. We'll talk about that for a second. What is what is the thing that is happening? And well, actually, maybe we should we should backtrack. Can you give me like a, a little like a like sixty second highlight of here are all the things that are happening behind the scenes or that led up the World Cup that we may so, not know about? The big stuff is the last two World Cups have been held in Russia and Qatar. There's a lot of accusations that they were held in places that usually don't have climates beneficial to playing tournaments like this or infrastructure for tournaments like this because there was a lot of under-the-hand, under-the-table bribes. So Mm. first you have bribery to FIFA. Then you have the fact that Qatar is a country that is, you know, tiny. I think it's under a million people. And Mm -hmm. now they have to build, I mean, top-of-the-line stadiums to play, I think it's four or five groups of games. And to do that, they don't have enough people in their country to build that, and they built a city out of the desert. Like, the the engineering of that is super impressive. There was nothing, and now there's a a full-fledged city around one of these stadiums. But what they did was they went to countries around Bangladesh, India, places like this, and they brought in migrant workers and basically put them in horrible places, kind of like indentured servitude, and treated them horrendously to get this done. And now that the tournament started, you have um, journalists are being shoved around and pushed around, even though there were promises that that wasn't going to happen. Um, there's a lot of issues with you know an Islamic-run government with LGBTQ representation and everything that entails. I saw... A clip today of a guy who ran on the field with a pride flag, you know, and he gets just railroaded. Um, And it's not like here where someone gets on the field and it's like, okay, $10,000, you can't come back to a game. It's like, Hmm. you might disappear. We may not see you. And so, yeah. So that's the the stuff leading into it. And the loss of lives that happen building these stadiums with these migrant workers from different countries that's not being talked about and uh Mm -hmm. you you feel kind of even more dirty watching these games with knowing the behind the story of what just happened so it's well that's what i was gonna ask phil like when you were saying like it made you even think about like even watching the game so like before i will just disclaim like a disclaimer i had to do a lot of research going into this because i'm not just up to date with you're like great we're talking about soccer i'm like okay let me banter about soccer you know but of course like when the human (laughs) rights yeah so like of course when like the human rights like issue came in like i was like okay ding 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 like i'm in like let me find out what's going on for sure but like you know when you when you started when you said that you are not watching like you question watching it because of the human rights issues do you feel like just watching this on tv or however you're streaming it or watching the world cup that you are supporting maybe some of these like like human rights like your like any issues that are going on like you feel like you're supporting it if you watch it yeah i mean that that's that's the thing that's coming to mind (laughs) should i be watching this 
even though it's mm. one of the greatest tournaments in the world, knowing how many lives were lost um, mm-hmm. and these families who lost their loved ones. I mean, if you watch the ESPN documentary of the, the workers that went to uh, Qatar to be able to work on this and they would die unexpectedly, which would be like of a heart attack. And the families were taking out loans to send their family members there and Qatar not reimbursing the family or paying them their fair wages all so that we can have entertainment. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's pretty disturbing to think about that. And so it definitely taints my perspective and my interest of watching and engaging with this tournament, which has affected me quite a bit. Wow. I think, uh, and I would agree with Phil and man, I'm not a big soccer fan. And then the world cup hits and I'm like time American flag around my neck. And I believe that we will win, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But as you slow down, it I mean, it gets back to, it's nothing new. It's Mm. bread and circuses from the Romans, right? It's, there's so much going on in the world. If we can set up a distraction and make a lot of money doing it, that's a win-win. And FIFA's goal is not the betterment of humanity. FIFA's goal is to make cash. And you even saw it when... The opening press conference, the head of FIFA is this European white bald dude. And he goes in. Sorry, Phil. Um, <laughs> but he they goes in. The, they must make a lot of money. Let me just tell you. It's true. It's true. But he goes into this whole thing of like, you know, these games are, you know, they bring us all together. They do all these things. And because of soccer, I am the migrant worker. I am the this. I am the that. And I'm like. Bro, you flew here on your private jet. Like, you aren't even, like, the dad who sold his, you know, his prized possession to get him and his son there. Like, you, like, you're you're sitting with these people who committed these things. And there's a huge disconnect. Um, David Beckham was a goodwill ambassador for Qatar. Uh, and you just go, yeah, because... If you pay the right people enough money, they're going to say nice things about you. Yep. Do we feel like all of our conversations, and we can just sum up all of our future podcast episodes maybe in this, it just always comes back to greed. It comes back to money, and people will stop at nothing mm-hmm. to make more money. And what we're seeing, especially with the World Cup, is like people are losing their lives, their dignity, and their future for someone else to make a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. but kind of go what you were saying, Phil, is you were like, you know, like, I don't feel good watching it. I, I don't feel great watching it either. I'm still watching it. So what's wrong with me? Like, I like it's like, I don't well, know, that's like, because I, 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 that's actually, a good question. I, I, well, and, but I care about the who wins. Like, I, I like sports. I like when people are trying to win. But then you kind of watch some of this stuff and you're like, OK, but is it rigged? Is it rigged because this team is winning or this team is losing or because this team paid more money so that they can beat this team? And so the refs are just making some change on the side. So, like, I don't know. It's it's hard to watch it and not think about those things. Um, well, yeah. and Katie, I'd love to hear kind of coming from an outside perspective, but a place of faith. What would I mean, what do you think? What's your take on watching, <laughs> not watching? Well, you know, not watching is easy. Um, (laughs) but, um, no, but I, no, I would like to weigh in on this because, um, this is kind of with anything, like any streaming platform, we find out something that we don't align with or, um, 
we find it injustice, right? There's there's a lot of things that we have to, as believers, separate ourselves from that we don't agree with, you know. Yeah. And 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 I, and I question like how powerful is that making a difference um, on the actual event or on like when people you know distance themselves from Disney Plus and other streaming platforms? How powerful is it for that? You know, is it making is it is it making a difference on that end, or is it just saying, "Hey, I need to honor my conviction, and I'm just not aligning with this"? And I think everyone kind of has to answer that question for themselves, while at the same time not being passive in the fact that there is, for this situation specifically, the human rights issue. Yeah. And even you mentioned Ted, the LGBTQ. Um, getting ridiculed and a lot of uh i mean it's it can be i i don't know if i'm saying it right but maybe life-threatening is that the what i picked up from what you were saying in the situation um i think even as christians we have to we have to have some critical thinking around it whether we're you know if that means we're watching or not watching but we definitely can't be passive you know like then that's hard for me. Like, that's a thing for me that I'm like, oh, it's easy for me because I don't really know what's going on. And I, it's easy to turn a blind eye. But then this is affecting people around me in my circle, right? This is affecting people I know and they want answers or they need thoughts on this, right? So like, it's it's one of those things where I just think we just can't be passive. Yeah, go ahead, Tanner. So then where does it, who does it start with? Because I, I don't mm-hmm. think, and it might, but I don't necessarily know if it think if it if it starts with a someone just watching in a random city. I think it might has to begin more with the people who are like, you know, backing the tournament, whether that's like the sponsors and the countries themselves, of saying like, hey, like where's the equality in this? Where is the peace? Where is the like where's the humanity in something like this? Because I think it's it takes a team walking off the field. It takes a team saying, We will be eliminated because we're going to take a stand and say these things are not right. That I do think it's important for us to gauge ourselves. Listen, you can go check my Twitter. I got very patriotic when we played England. Like I, And then as we prepped for this podcast, I was like, oh, no, it's me. Um, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. Which is another theme of our podcast, too. I think yeah. Ted and I, we often come to the realization oh, we are the problem. It is my fault. And I think, you know, as we talk about workers, as we talk about um, LGBTQ, as we talk about all these things, wherever you land on those things, our call as Christians is to defend the life of people who bear the image of God. Mm -hmm. We can debate, we can disagree, and, you know, in, in our heritage where I come from, we have a lot of disagreements, especially with some of those communities, but it sh- your life should not be threatened because of that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're, we should not praise the, the beauty of these stadiums when in the same breath we go, and it came at the cost, not of an accident, like not of an accidental loss of life. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. But these were corners cut that caused accidents. Mm-hmm. here's a reason why I will be watching tomorrow, which maybe also gets to something. Wait, good. Phil, you are watching? No, no, I, I oh. am watching, but I'm just, <laughs> I, I struggle with it. Like I, I am oh, watching okay, games, okay. but tomorrow, I, but I, 
I'm I'm watching to see what else is going on. I'm not watching in support. I'm watching as a... Yeah, I'm a, yeah. Let me justify it's more, everything it's like, that I'm saying. It's like a more journalistic <laughs> approach. We have a podcast we have to talk about. I'm reporting. It's, Phil's it's our sports correspondence. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but, no Phil, the way but the United that. States, Iran, there's, there's a lot of tension that's going on into this game. But even if you look back to the Iranian team that made it, the very first game, the Iranian players did not sing the national their national anthem which mm-hmm. if you know anything about the world cup that's the big thing is to be able to sing your country song they mm-hmm. did not say a word in support of um the inequality that is happening in their country i think iran is 178th mm-hmm. out of 180 countries that's the most oppressed country when it comes to freedoms liberties and they didn't sing and supposedly they were threatened so by the second game you'd see the players kind of murmuring with their lips singing the song and now they're going to be playing united states and there's already a lot of other stuff that's happening there and you're in a way i'm just like wow look at those guys might actually do something where they go back to their country and may lose their life for doing what they've been doing like that's almost like them standing up for something that's bigger than the game of sports uh, this world cup and you know, we're all wrapped into the Ameri- you know, America and all this stuff that's happened in Qatar. But, like, man, look at these Iranian players. They may be living their last life. I don't know. It's just crazy to think about that, that we don't – something that we don't experience in our own context. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, let's, let's move on, um, and we'll, we'll see how the game goes tomorrow. And I'm sure we'll have more to talk about next Monday about the World Cup because by then more teams will have moved on and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that we also want to talk about is is China, one of the biggest countries in the world, which did not qualify for the World Cup, but they are still headlining the news. According to CNN, protests have erupted across China from Shanghai to Beijing in a rare show of dissent against the ruling Communist Party, sparked by anger over the country's increasingly costly zero COVID policy. We're talking about COVID still. Talking about COVID still. It's still a thing. And it's it is still a thing. Away. And it's not. And it's something that should be taken seriously. But in China, it seems to be like a little something more is going on. Uh, who wants to take it on this one? Well, I'll I'll start off with uh, talking about the Anthony Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Even actually went out, uh, I think a couple days ago, and said the, the sanctions that China has been doing is is too extreme and that there's no way that they're going to be able to eliminate covid which is kind of funny that he's saying this now and wasn't saying something like this earlier but it's it's Mm. it's pretty crazy he's even calling this to be too much yeah i i I was reading a little bit of it and there was the word surveillance kept popping up that they are you know sort like watching their people quite intently and there are you know different kind of camps and stuff like that it just doesn't i don't know man i'm I'm tired of looking at the news because there's there's no good news it's all just like this this these horrific stories that just seem Mm -hmm. to uh make me feel far further and further from home um so yeah I agree. And I and I do want to just kind of piggyback off of that, because like reading through all of these articles and all of this information, it feels really heavy. And I feel like if we could just kind of take a moment and think about um, just like looking back in the Old Testament 
and in scripture where there was just so many, so much injustice. And even now there's so much injustice, but there will be a day where God carries out his justice for good. Um, and thinking about like with China and the people, like my first thought goes to the people, their mental health, like, like they need a break, you know, like just an exhale, a break or hope. It just, is so dark. And, um, and thinking about how God is so patient because one day his wrath will be poured out and it will be so that there will be full redemption, but there is hope now, even though in places it might not always seem like it. Um, so I just, I, I constantly think about that when it, even talking about the human rights issues and then going to the, to what's going on in China and communist countries, there's just a lot of darkness. And so I just feel like um, with that, I just want to add this in because um, I was reading through Jeremiah really quickly and just to add this into kind of to plug it into this thought. Um, but even Jeremiah, oh, go ahead, Ted. Did you want to oh, add? You said no. that you read through, you read through Jeremiah really quickly. That's a lie. Well, that is a I read long book. read a portion Whoa. of Jeremiah. <laughs> I know I need to watch my words. I read a portion of Jeremiah very quickly. I read a verse. <coughs> um, right, but not the book, not the book. Um, no, but this is um this is a verse that um that came up when I was like looking into like verses about justice and some things that to kind of like see okay God remind me of like your hope in this but I love this because even Jeremiah like asked this righteous are you O Lord that I would plead my case with you indeed I would discuss matters of justice with you why has the way of the wicked prospered and why are all those who deal in treachery at ease and I feel like that's our longing and our question when we look at this like in this darkness and things going on like you like even the prophet Jeremiah, like he ached to like get this question solved. And we have the whole Bible so we can see the hope and where the answer lies and that there is justice and God is patient, um, but it is coming quickly. And we have hope. We have something we're waiting for in this. Um, but it just like that, that question just was like such a human question, like, and it resonated with me as I'm looking into all of this. But I just wanted to add that in um, because that might be a question listening to all of this as Christians. We might ask ourselves, why are the, why are the, prospering you know why is this going on lord i'm coming to you about the justice um and you're a just god and that might be a, a question that we have for him when looking at this but just wanted to add that in there as well well and it it seems you know when i think back to covid and being a pastor through covid there are things you know maybe i would have done differently there are things i was called out for there were things um people thanked me for um there are things that you know still every once in a while i kind of stay up at night going, man, was that the right decision? You know, are there people who I hurt, I offended because I, I did something wrong? And um, there's a lot, like I still struggle through in that. But when you see some of these places where the struggle is eliminated and it appears like Phil was saying, you know, and Katie, what you came in with justice is it feels like COVID is being used as an excuse to enact certain policies mm -hmm. um uh, whereas I, I for better or worse i feel like we all stumbled through the first six months trying to figure things out um and i, I don't know where we are on this side but i am i'm grateful that we we aren't you know when covid pops up now it is take a test stay home you know you're sick um and maybe that's what we should have done at the start maybe not um i, I would lean towards not i a lot of friends in the medical field who were working in those places but 
there's a difference between prudence and um, injustice. And I think, Katie, you said that well to say, where, where do we live in that tension? And uh, I think, you know, as, as the theme of the podcast is, even with protests in China about this, I, I come back and think, of, you know, selfishly, I think about me. Um, and I wonder, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Um, and you just got to keep moving forward because, like you said, it's it's we don't dole out the justice. It happens in God's time. One thing that really, I don't know, is interesting to me, you know, and, and I totally agree with what you guys have to say, but how we are so quick to point out the injustices that are happening in the country of Iran, but we're careful to name out the injustices that are happening in China um, because mm. there's money involved. Thank you very much, Ted. The money we uh, wait, look wait, at, look wait, at the are... MBA, Tanner. <laughs> wait, hold on one second. It... What are you saying that people are motivated and make choices and run their lives based off of money? I think you're onto something. I don't know if that's true. That doesn't feel true to me at all. There's only everything that tells me that it's correct. Exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, you can look at the NBA. We can look at any kind of sports or any time. I mean, money controls a lot of what people say and what people do not say. And even as this, uh, you know, little podcast that we have going, it kind of even even in our conversation a little bit like we're like, let it fly about Iran. But with China, we're like, but we're just going to take a little bit of a closer look at what they're doing just to kind of yeah. see. Hmm. So what do you Phil? what do you think like what do you think should be done? Do you think the media should really like side more on the fact of like standing up against like what China's doing like they are with the World Cup or um or siding with them more um with the people that are protesting? What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's it's hard. The media are always going to paint a story that they want to paint. We just need sure. leaders to be able to stand up for what is right. Right? Mm-hmm. And and not because of any political gain or financial gain um, to be able to call it the injustice. There's injustices that are happening in Iran, certainly that need to be called out. There's also just injustices that are happening in other countries that we become selective and we choose based upon what is convenient for me and what's best for my financial gain. So um, Hmm. I I just think that there needs to be, it, it needs to be, more universal how we call these things out and uh it's just it's just funny how some of these things work out sometimes yeah it's a lot and we could probably talk about this for for quite a long while but i think we should move on to our 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 next thing before that we before we log off we got to talk about longtime friend of the podcast elon musk twitter and all of of the things that are happening over then over in the twitter world are all of us on twitter here? No, I am not. <laughs> oh, okay. we found the healthy person. Wow, cool. Way to brag. Exactly. Way to brag about being healthy. <laughs> no, I am not. Oh. Uh, Phil, what's happening with your your good friend Elon Musk? Well, I think we did an episode a long time ago before we took our sabbatical, right? And yes, I think every every episode that we referenced in the past was a long time ago. Exactly. <laughs> and so it was at the point where Elon was purchasing Twitter. And a yeah. lot had happened in between then where he was going to purchase it and then he was going to back out of the deal. And then long story short, I think after trying to get some lawsuits, he's now um, the rightful owner of Twitter, which lucky, now lucky. there have been changes that have been made. And uh, I think 75% of employees have been laid off or fired. 
and uh, Elon has taken over. And uh, for some people, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened, that free speech is back. And for others, um, it is uh, a very dark time in this world. But regardless of your thoughts, Elon is now the owner of Twitter. So with that being said, what are you guys' thoughts? I, what, what is there to say? I mean, it's, is it a circus? Like, it's like, it is, in, in a, like, I go on there now for entertainment, and actually, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I've been going on Twitter less and less, because it feels like more like empty noise at this point, and it's mm. just, I don't know, it's, and maybe it's because of all the change that's been happening, I just don't enjoy it, and I, and before I would go on, and we talked about this maybe like our first episode you know, a long time ago about where do we get our news from. And I got a lot of my news and highlights over on Twitter. And it'd be like it w- you would see the tweet or the highlight and then it would take you somewhere else. But that, but that's where I got like, hey, here's the breaking news. Here's the things that's happening here, here, and here. And from there, then I would go to other news sites. But now I feel like Twitter just wants me to rot. It feels like TikTok <laughs> where I can just like rot right there and i don't want to rot you guys i want to so, live do you think twitter's live. gotten worse yes Why? but i would say but i would say i think twitter has been getting worse i don't i, I don't think because elon purchased it it got worse i would say that it okay. just has gotten worse kind of the same with a lot of social medias like like you know after a couple of years you know facebook you started to see kind of got worse instagram kind of got worse and maybe it's sure. because it wasn't new or fun or because I was I needed a different drug as a human being. I don't know. But I think when I get on Twitter now, I'm not seeing the headlines or the news or the things that are happening. I'm seeing like, oh, what are the Kardashians doing? And I have never searched for the Kardashians before. Like I'm just don't. trying to keep up with them, Tanner. I'm not <laughs> trying to keep up with them. I'm trying to get away from them. I just like I just don't need that in my life. I want to know like, you know. That, has it, has it, have you guys experienced that, or is it? I think no. I, th- I think you're right. I think um, I think it's gotten worse <laughs> in a different direction, right? Like I think that you know the argument could be made it was worse in one direction. Last you know before Elon bought it, you could say, hey, this is moving towards a liberal progressive idea, but in that idea, you were still banning some of these accounts that I get, you know, am I a fan? No, but like I kind of get unbanning some of these accounts. I think there was some craze picked up in it, but like we're getting like a lot of QAnon accounts that are being reinstated. We're getting some of that, but it's, it's the, it's the pension of humans. We swing the pendulum. We don't seek the center. We swing one way or the other. I think it's fascinating that in the world we live in, Elon Musk was able to raise $44 billion to buy a website that it sure sounds like he hates. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that, that's kind of, Work you, you know, you, can. yeah. And that's part of it. And uh, theme of the podcast. Right. But uh, you know, it's, I'm still getting my Astros updates. I'm, you know, getting some of those things. And I think that, I don't know if Elon's, yeah, I don't think he's made it better. Um, but I also look and I go, man, like some of these people he's letting back on here are going to make it worse as the time comes, because the one thing with Twitter is that it became 
an instantaneous form of news transmission. And some of the stuff he's done with, um, you know, wanting to push back against the media for being verified and things like that. Well, now you have public service accounts that people are coming in and getting verified for it. And all of a sudden they're announcing these things and those accounts are going, this was the number one way we communicated with the public about emergencies. And now because verification has changed, we're relearning how that works. Um, you know, you look mm -hmm. at, there was some major corporation, uh, Lockheed Martin, I think, someone built a verified account of Lockheed Martin and said, we're stopping selling jets to these five countries, weapons and jets, and their stock plummeted in a day. Now, that I think is coming from a more progressive leaning end that they said, oh, we can learn how to do this. Um, my theory is that Twitter, it used to be you had to meet people in person and the crazies, you had a certain amount of crazy in your town and for them to get together, they had to drive a distance to get their crazy together. And now they can live in, you know, a major city or middle of nowhere and build a community of people that they get in an echo chamber and all of their ideas are sound and there's no one checking um that and i think that's just the danger of social media in general i don't know how you fix it so what about the donald j trump being reinstated your thoughts on that i mean that that's the big thing where elon katie what do you what do you have there. to say well this is this is where i'm like hmm like i'm so skeptical right because like like how you said, Phil, like the freedom of speech and he like doesn't seem to really care. But I wonder, like, what is his agenda? You know, like like for him to like then write like the elections are coming. Like we know Donald Trump is like running again. And like then now he's like back on Twitter. I think like I look at Elon Musk and I just like wonder. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's a conspiracy. But I'm like, what is his agenda? Like really, like if it's just like just because he can buy out Twitter, you know, like then why you know so i i'm just like i'm just skeptical and then <coughs> once donald trump got on i was like hmm like i wonder if you know they're in cahoots or something well if you know. if you read up on his mm. he just put out and people have been talking for a while about his twitter 2.0 what he wants to build is an app that replaces your wallet i don't know why he chose twitter to do that that seems mm. strange uh, maybe it was the infrastructures there and he could buy into it, but there's videos of him. And I think it, I didn't read the article we had, but it, he did a slide deck in the past couple days that he basically wants to digitize everything. And that's, that's a bigger question for me is like, what's the purpose of like, in some ways I get it in some ways I don't, but I think there's more than just free speech. He's, he's looking how to make money off it. I don't think he's actually you know, setting $44 billion on fire just to stick oh, it to the sure. libs. For so. sure. But I think he's, he was concerned about freedom of speech, but obviously there's more of a, how can there be financial gain? Like no doubt about it. It's, so it's, it's just when we talk like about a little bit messy, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So like when we talk about like freedom of speech, um, like it was only the freedom of speech for like, it seemed like a lot of conservative accounts were more taken off of Twitter and now freedom of speech. So it seems like he's really favoring the conservative side 
in my opinion, if it's freedom of speech, like that would be our like conservative side having more freedom of speech than the liberal side. And I don't know. So that's why I'm wondering. But I why. think you've got to ask the question, what's freedom of speech? Because freedom right. of speech is not in terms of law, right? Freedom of speech is that the government can't come after you because of your, you know, of what you say. But a, a private company, and, and that's honestly like Elon's brilliance is he's saying, all right, Twitter, mm -hmm. if you can go this way, then I can go the other way. And that's, mm -hmm. that's something that is kind of making me upset watching certain aspects of people on Twitter who they liked it before him. And now they're all freaking out and, you know, and, and I'm not against people deciding, hey, I want to move to a different platform. That's fine. But it's like, you got to understand, like, Twitter was leaning away. Like, it, it's it's a business, and they can make that decision. Yep. But once once Elon buys it, he can make that decision, too. And what no one's talking about is the greed of the former CEOs and owners selling it to him, going, yeah, we want the money, you know? There was this big outcry of Elon, but it's like, yeah, but where were your boys who, you know, were leaning with the wind one political way? Well, it's because they, they didn't care about your speech. They cared about making sure they made money. Yep. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting to watch. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm watching something burn. And uh, it's hard to look away from that. But I think a lot of times when we, I mean, the topics that we kind of cover today, we're watching a lot of things that feel like we're watching something just burn. And it's hard to feel like you you can't really do anything about it. I don't know if you all feel that way too, where I feel like it's the news is just happening around us, not so much to us, which yeah. doesn't feel doesn't feel right by saying that. But hey, to wrap it all up, I, my question for you all is a little less than serious, but Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion. So what would you do with $44 billion? I know oh, it's a hard question. Phil, Listen. I feel like you have this this answer like locked and loaded. <laughs> I'll go. I plant a lot of churches. I'd immediately set up trust funds and things like that so that my money would make money. I would give as much money away as I could to friends, to family, to organizations, because I would not trust myself with that amount of money. And the one thing I would do though, is I would go to the Houston Astros and say, how much would it cost for me to own a suite in this stadium? I do not want to own the team because I want to keep loving the team for who they are. I don't need to be in management. I don't need to be in ownership. I just want a suite where anyone I know and love can come and watch games. Phil oh, included. Ted, Ted's going to be the, the new Mattress Mac. There you go. I'm betting. I'm betting every time. Astros win the World Series. You can get free communion if they win. I mean, you can get free communion if they don't win. But yeah. There you go. Katie, what about you? Man, I, so listen, I am not good with money. So if it was me and my husband, like, and we had that much money, we would, well, first of all, we would really disagree on what to do with that money. <laughs> and I probably would just sit on it and just like, just the comfort of knowing I have it. And then like venture out to get like little things that I like. But a big thing would be like a nice house on land and like just 
you know, but I would probably sit on it to be honest. Like, and it's forty-four like, billion dollars. I hope you I know. get more than just a house and sit on land, Katie. I listen. <laughs> if you're, listen, if you're, if I am you're not si- a big dreamer. <laughs> if you are sitting on forty-four billion dollars, you got a big butt because that's a lot of money. So, <laughs> listen, Phil. What about you? What are you doing with the money? Yeah, there's obviously many different ways I would want to invest in that money, so that way it can carry over to different. Uh, businesses, opportunities, kind of like what you said about um, churches. But I think the real thing too is where we talk about money, there's a lot of power um, and that can easily happen to any single, any one of us. And so how do you build something where there's accountability, where it's not me making the sole decisions? Um, You know, I would make sure that there's some, some of the most wise financial people that are a part of that process um, where we can, maximize the use of that money that can go towards a lot of different things towards equality stuff throughout the world. Uh, but then, um, yeah, just, just different opportunities, different businesses all over. I think my heart would be, how do you rebuild some third world countries? So that way they, um, they have the means to be able to evolve even more as a society. And, uh, because in, in many ways we've been given so much and a lot of them have not been given anything. And so obviously you want people to work for it, but how do you build something like that where um, it could be more stable in some of these countries? Here's the thing. If I had that much money, I would invest in Phil to be my financial advisor so that I would make good decisions. (laughs) Strike strike one, Katie. There's a a lot of kids that go hungry in this country every night, and I would try and take the biggest chunk out of that that I could. You guys are so great. Well, I hope that you all get $44 billion. What I would do is I would get rid of Mondays. That would just be my 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 work, just so to get rid genius. of Mondays. And then I would also get rid of, and I don't, I know if I never say this right, but you know when we have to fall back, when the, when it gets darker earlier? Daylight savings I'm getting, time. I'm getting rid of that. I'm getting rid of that. It's changing. Like I, it just, is it? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to put some money towards it to make sure it does change. Because I just. Floor. I don't need that. I'm also going to do my best to get rid of winter. I'm going to cancel that as well. So um, I'm getting rid of We're working on that too, baby. (laughs) Global warming, my friend. And then I'm going to take out stairs next. Oh, wait, we don't need stairs. So, first floor. All right. You have $44 billion. You can do so much more. (laughs) I could, yeah. Uh, And then I would buy Twitter. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Everyday Elephants. Make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review. If you're on, if you're watching on Facebook, make sure to follow us. Maybe share that. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe. It's great. And if you're interested in being a sponsor for the podcast or you have a topic that you would like the the four of us to discuss, you can send us an email. We love to get mail. That's everydayelephantspod at gmail.com. You can find that in the show notes and on the website and all that kind of stuff. All right. Have a great week. We will catch up with you next Monday. Peace. See ya.